everybody, welcome back to another edition of PD and P-Dubs Unscripted here, and maybe you're a little disappointed because it's just P-Dubs and me and myself here today. Yeah, it feels kind of like a letdown here, I don't I know. know. After we having gotta... two, great wonder, two great guests, and now you're kind of just stuck with the two of us. Yeah, so I guess since you started this uh, podcast, I'm the host, or I'm the guest, so... Oh boy, I have a lot to live up to. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, your name's in the title, so how can you be a guest? <laughs> I was just saying, I, I didn't start the podcast, so. Yeah, but you're a guest. You're not a guest. See, I'm a guest. You're not a guest. <laughs> your name is in the title of the podcast. There's All no- right, fine. Fine, okay. If there's no P dubs in We'll go t- down together as. <laughs> It's <laughs> not living up to as the pe- last two guests. And now that people hear there's no guests, they're like, well, we're, uh, we're, we're done. Shutting it off. We're only going to listen to the first 30 no, seconds please here. please hang in there, please. This is going to be good. We it, promise. It's going to be good. And if you like it, share it out. Yeah. Subscribe, follow, share it with your friends so they, we get some more followers here. Indeed, indeed. Okay, so we have, uh, for our Emmanuel friends, um, we have uh, we need your feedback, and uh, we have this great survey. Okay, and I'll try to put it in. There's a way I think I can put a survey in. Okay. So here at Emmanuel, when we worship and we say the Lord's Prayer, uh, we say it two different ways. Oh, yes. And so um, when we worship with the divine service uh, at 8 a.m. on Sunday mornings, we use the term... Trespasses. Trespasses. And we say it in chapel... We also say it in school chapel, yes. We teach our children about trespasses. And then when we pray for our 5 p.m. Saturday service and our 10.30 Sunday morning service, which is, you know... Um, a little more modernish. More modern, yeah. More contemporary. So, yeah, a little more up-to-date. Yeah. We, we pray to forgive our sins. Or than forgive our trespasses. Or if I'm leaving, sometimes I forget which service we're at and I say the wrong one up there. Yeah. So we're interested in, you know, you Emmanuel folks who are tuning in. Or really anybody listening. Well, I suppose anybody, yeah. But particularly in our own community, you know, what's your preference? Sins, trespasses. Yeah. And I think when I do load this on Anchor, there is a way where I can put a poll. And I know when I put on my Instagram story, I can make a poll. Mm. So we'll have the feedback... Maybe not next week, but in a couple of weeks, we'll yeah. give feedback on what the results were on the poll here, depending on recording time. And so that would be an interesting. It would be an interesting to well, see what the results are. Now, this is just part of our, um, you know, each church has its own culture, right? The right. things that they do. Um, and so this has been kind of a longstanding thing, probably at least 20 years old. I would say. I don't know. Ever since I've been here, it's you know it's been that split, and yeah, you know, yeah, people say, well, why do we say what? Uh huh. And I think you know the reason behind it is just sin seems like a more modern way, and people aren't as maybe familiar with the word trespasses, right? And they're both from scripture because the trespasses is Matthew six's interpretation, mm-hmm. and is it Luke eleven or two? Luke eleven. Luke eleven. Yeah. For the sins. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're just curious. And um, we'll just see what uh, people are thinking there. Sins or trespasses. Now, when I go to visit people, you know, the people of Emmanuel, like early on in my ministry, I would like, you know, you sit there and you pray after you give them, you know, or you're getting ready to give them communion. And sometimes I would kind of like, and lead us not into temptation, deliver us, forgive us our, and then I would kind of wait to hear what the person would say, whether they were a trespass person or a sin person. Mm, And so I would kind of, you know, on the sly, 
instead of leading, I would kind of let them lead at that spot, and then I would jump right in. Well, now, now I just en- enough of that. But what if, enough of that? I just like boldly go what if, with trespasses. What is this and what of that? I know. I and and I found that many who I visit uh, naturally go to trespass. But it's interesting because you know not everybody says the Lord's Prayer when you're visiting people. So what did you do in those cases when they're just kind of letting you lead the Lord's Prayer? Oh yeah. Well, I say trespasses. Okay. Yeah. But there was a time where I would like in my head, okay, what service did I usually see them at? And then I'll say the Lord's Prayer the way they normally do it. See, these are things that go through your pastor's mind (laughs) as they're visiting people. Yeah, yeah. And mine is always like, and I've shared this, there was a time at my first church when I was visiting with somebody that spoke more through like a computer box or one of the like kind of voice thing. Oh, okay. But he was trying to say the Lord's Prayer with me. Okay. And I was so focused at saying at his pace because yes. it was slower and he wasn't using the computer. And I was just trying to like, okay, I want to, I'm trying to focus. I'm like, okay, where's he at? Saying it at his pace. I'm like, okay, I'm so focused on that. All of a sudden I was like, I don't know what comes next. Because I was so focused on saying it with him that I couldn't, I just lost track of where I was at. I felt so embarrassed. So that's why I always make sure I read. So that way my mind doesn't wander. It's more focused on the words. And I, that's embarrassing. I know we've talked about this on other things. Like as a pastor, there's simple things that we say all the time mm-hmm. that when you mess it up, you can't really live it down all too much. Well, I've told you the story where I, I uh, officiated a wedding uh, offsite and, uh, it's there were a lot of manual people there, and uh, it was out of state. And I remember trying to think of I need to pronounce the couple's last name properly when I introduce them. And as I'm leading the Lord's Prayer, right before the introduction of the couple, my mind, I must confess, and I, I need your forgiveness, dear brother. Okay. My mind wandered forward because I had the script in front of me. Like in my head, trying to rehearse the last name properly, and while we were praying out loud, I got my words tripped up in the Lord's Prayer at the end, and it was obvious. And uh, so I kind of stopped, and everybody kind of kept going, and then I kept going. And uh, wouldn't you know, uh, there was a lot of people like, "Ha, ah, you know, you messed up the Lord's Prayer. You did that. You did." That. I go, "I did it on purpose, just to make sure you all were praying with me." You know, and Ooh. that didn't go too far. So, so I have double forgiveness I have to give to you for messing up the Lord's <laughs> Prayer, then lying, stretching the truth, then lying to the people that you were just doing. Yes, it to catch. I am a poor, miserable sinner. By by the office instead of my command of my Lord Jesus Christ as a called and ordained servant. I forgive you, my brother, of all of your sins. In the uh, name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I feel much better. <laughs> but yeah, these are the things. Maybe that could be a future podcast. Yeah, the things right? that go through the pastor's mind. Ooh-wee. I don't know about that one. Well, then there was the time I I, I was doing the ironic blessing. Oh, okay. I think this was one I was almost thinking. Yeah. So I said, Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his... Uh, countenance upon you and give you his feet. And I said, I mean, peace. And there was a there was a chuckle and a guffaw out into the Look, congregation. How do you get feet out of... I don't know. And 
So I told that to my sister-in-law, and she never, ever lets that slip by. You know, she's like, oh, you're going to go bless everybody's feet? <laughs> Maybe it was it Monday, Thursday when you did it? I don't know. I don't huh. know. But I remember one of our teachers and their son bringing that up to me. And uh, we had a good laugh over it, but... But yeah, these are the funny kind of moments because, yeah, we know we're not perfect and we mess up up in front of everybody. Yeah, maybe it was, uh, you know, the Old Testament text, how beautiful are the feet of those who publish peace and, you know, come over the mountaintop and and publish peace. You know, how beautiful are the feet, you know? But yeah, so fun times there. And, you know, as we're thinking about what to talk about here today, since we don't have a guest you know, I came across this article on Relevant Magazine, which has a lot of interesting articles. And, like, you can, when you look at their headlines or, like, their tabs, you can find articles on faith, life, culture, current, justice. And so a lot of different things that you can go through. And so mm-hmm. it's sometimes good, like, little things to read. And the one article that kind of hit our fancy here was five signs you're reading the Bible all wrong. Mm-hmm. Because... I think we all struggle at times sometimes reading through the Bible because maybe we get to a difficult part in Scripture, whether it's like Leviticus or something like that. Right. Or another thing where you get through like the genealogies where you're like, I don't remember half these names because they all seem so foreign. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what do I want to keep reading the Bible? It's yeah. getting confusing. Or we just get out of the habit and maybe there's some signs or things that we're doing that can maybe prohibit us from keeping that continuity of reading the Bible every day. Yeah, for sure. We all have certain struggles that are common and some that are just kind of unique to us. And uh, yeah, and sometimes, um, I don't know about you, but this happens just to me in general reading. I will I will begin to read something and then my mind wanders to other things. And so I get a few sentences down or a paragraph and I think, I, I don't even know what I just read. Yep, and I've... so that happens to me when I'm really, it happened to me the other night. I'm, I was reading a psalm, and I was really wanting to, you know, meditate on the words. And as I was going through it, my mind was going to other situations that I've been encountering. And I was like, I got to stop. So I went back up to the top, ran it down, got to about three or four verses in, and there goes my mind again. And, and I'm like, come on, you know, stop it. Right. And so, like, I was really trying to focus on the words, and uh, ultimately then I got through it. But it, it was like a battle, you know, of, like, barraged with other thoughts. Right. It's that idea of just, like, we get, like, yeah, I've had that where I read, like, a paragraph or a sentence, and I'm like, I don't know what I just read. Mm-hmm. Which I think kind of gets to that first part on this, yes. this first, like, reason, which is... You only read the Bible for information and facts. Yeah. And you're just kind of going through it to mm-hmm. just read it and get those facts. Right. Yeah. Like sometimes, you know, you might be in a discussion with someone, friend or family, or even Bible study, and and you're not necessarily in the Bible study, but like you're in a discussion and, you know, it's like, uh, well, did, did Jesus uh, come to abolish the, the law? You know, well, okay, well, if we look in Matthew 5, he says, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. You know, and so, like, okay, made my point. There is a fact. And I think a lot, too, also, this is, like, just to say, like, if you had a test, 
who is Jesus? Where was Jesus born? Mm-hmm. All those different things. So you can have that head knowledge, right. but not really that relationship with that per- with God. And that's why I like that the article, and I just noticed this now, like, you know, it brings up a subject that I think you and I would be both be familiar with mm-hmm. outside of Christianity, and that's Michael Jordan. Yeah. I bet both of us could share a lot of facts about Michael oh, Jordan. Oh, absolutely. Yet, have you ever met Michael? No. Have you ever hung out with him? No. Ever been in the same building as him at the same time? Yes. The United Center. Yeah, I think I've maybe been in like the United Center, like an arena when he's been at a game. Yeah. But he wouldn't know me from... Oh, he would. Oh, no. Oh, don't sell yourself short. I am selling myself short here, my friend. <laughs> but yet, you know, I can go and say, you know, six NBA championships and like... Never mm-hmm. lost, never got to a game seven in the finals. Mm-hmm. You know, the tradition of the black shoes in the playoffs. Yep. All those. The flu game. The flu game. Yep. Is it what, 63 against the Celtics in his like second mm-hmm. year when he had, came off the broken leg? Right, right. Or the double nickel when he returned against the Knicks with mm-hmm. the number 45. You know, all those different things are being part of the 92 Dream Team. Yep. Yet, I don't know him. Right. So I know all these facts about Jordan. Mm hmm. I don't know him. Absolutely. And and even over watching, you know, that that uh documentary about oh, him. Oh, the last dance. The last dance, you know, you you probably learned some things about him that you didn't know, but you still don't know him, you know, like you have a have a pretty good idea, but like you say, you you can say, "Oh, I remember that game this and that and when he did this or when he dunked over Mel Turpin, this big this big dude, you know, and um, and he did it after someone said, you know, why don't you dunk on someone your own size? And Or whether or not he didn't shove off Byron Russell for the final shot as a bowl. Oh, he didn't. Byron Russell just slipped. He just yeah, wasn't, yeah. wasn't a skilled defender. Michael just put his hand up. He just breathed like normal. Yeah, and, he just put his hand up. And Byron Russell just went flailing yeah. all over the place. Yep. Boop. So, yeah, exactly. We we kind of, like, look to the Bible to prove facts out, you know, and uh, and uh, that that gives us, as you were talking earlier, it gives us head knowledge, right? right? So that we can maybe stand our ground in a conversation. And it doesn't mean that it's, like, a, a, a challenging conversation, but maybe it's just conversation with other Christians and say, yeah, I know this about the Bible. And, and you feel like, oh, there's... There's things I know. Right, and I think kind of the way we combat this is almost like, instead of saying, you know, I'm going to read a chapter of the Bible every day, Mm -hmm. maybe if even if it's just two verses a day, whatever is the best that you're learning and growing in that faith where you can inwardly digest what you're reading, Mm -hmm. understand, and then apply it to your life to strengthen your faith, I think that's better saying, I'd rather say I read five verses and it made sense and this is how it's going to change my life. Exactly. Compared to, I read a chapter, but I just don't know what I read. Right. Well, and uh, in the article, it refers to John five thirty nine that says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. So, you know, it's like, uh, rather than knowing facts and figures... Um, the Bible is there so that you can know, truly know him, and that you can receive eternal life. And um, you have to experience God's word. It's it's more than just a reading of factual knowledge. It's 
It is really a, a, a journey and an experience of what God reveals to you through through His right. Word. And that speaks to it being the living Word of God, mm-hmm. that it speaks to us whatever season of life we're in. Like, we can read the same thing at the same at one point in our life, then read it at a different point and get a whole new understanding or apply it in a whole new way to our life because of what's going on in our life. We see it open up in a different way. Yeah, the same, we could go back to the Michael Jordan example. <laughs> You know, as a as a Chicago Bull fan, you and I we we grew up and we we live in Chicago area, and we were big fans. So night in and night out, we saw and experienced the the play of Michael Jordan and like the ebbs and flows, the the great shots, the missed shots, the this the that. Um, whereas someone who didn't watch him night in and night out. Could say, well, yeah, he he got sixty three against the Celtics, you know, in his whatever second year, and and they could just like do all these facts, but you know, if, if you're experiencing that, then you come to know at a deeper level, you know, right? Or even like you know, they're talking. I was reminded. I was watching. You know, after the last dance, you know, you had people reacting to it on their like sports shows, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you're familiar with Pat McAfee. Yeah. The former punter for the Colts, and now he has his own, like, YouTube show and, like, serious Maybe show. But he was talking about, because, like, you know, I think he's from, like, Pennsylvania area originally. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he was talking about, he's like, you know, I was watching that last do- dance documentary. Michael Jordan missed a shot. I never thought he missed a game-winning shot. You know, I didn't really watch mm-hmm. it at the time. But you hear this myth, this legend of Michael Jordan, you think he never missed a shot. He never, missed a lot of last Never missed. But he's like... This shows me he missed things. Yeah. He wasn't like the almighty walking on water mm-hmm. out there. Yeah. And kind of I think it was what you're saying is like you might have this head knowledge, but you don't really know the intimate details and all the little things. Right. Because you didn't experience it firsthand or like really dive into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where like you said, you know, you can remember the missed shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're, if you're really digging in and you're on a journey and you're kind of walking through scripture... You know, you'll you'll call to mind those those factual things, but then you'll also have a, a deeper depth of understanding. You know, from what you're reading. So yeah, uh, you know, one one trip up is that you're only reading the Bible for informational facts. So what's number two? Uh, number two on our top five list here. I was almost trying to think of a David Letterman. You know, top ten list. Oh here. yeah, uh, which you read out of duty rather than devotion. Mm. So to me, that is, as they kind of put in here, like, I'm doing this to check off something on my checklist. Like, okay, for me, in a sense, for example, like for me, it'd be like, okay, get up, okay, I'm up, let's feed Madison, let Madison out, check. Check emails, check social media, whatever, check. Okay, better go read my Bible, do my devotions, check. Mm-hmm. And it's just a duty. It's just another one of the jobs or things that I right. need to do in the morning as I get ready. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, just like anything that, that people do in their life uh, on a regular routine basis that are good things, they might begin to wear it as a badge of honor. Like, you know, I, I do this and I do this every day. I work out every day. I meditate every day. I read God's Word every day. And, and those are really good things. But if they're they're always kind of lifting that up and like saying, see, I, I, I really take care of myself. I do this. I do that. You know, it begins to almost turn into a works thing, and wearing it as a badge of honor, like, see, I, you know, I'm, I know God's word because I do a devotion every day. Well, all right, you know, that's good that you're doing it. It's just, 
it's not bad at all. It's not a bad practice, but as you say, a checklist of yeah. you know, and I think saying here's here are, I've, I'm earning my earning approval from God, right? And even to the extent like just because you're going through that, are you really inwardly digesting? Because it could be one of those kind of with the first one we're talking about. Okay, I'm reading the Bible. I read my two chapters, one chapter a day. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I read, but I did it. Yeah, so I can check off that. And so yeah. you're not really doing the devotional, like, how does this play in my life? Yeah. It reminds me of someone that I knew that would tally up all the hours that they would do for service to the church. And they would always be reminding people of how many hours they put in. And and like whenever they did something, oh, I have to go log this in because, you know, this year so far I've done, you know, 3,475 hours of service to the church. And I, and I And that's a wonderful, glorious thing. But then you begin to say, well, why are you counting it? Why are you logging it? You know, what is the basis of this? Are you looking for approval um, in God's eyes or in man's eyes? You know, like, I don't know. Or is it almost too like, well, I'm going to fool God that I'm a good person or that I'm such a great Christian because Mm -hmm. I'm reading the Bible, I'm doing these service hours. Mm -hmm. Yet God can see through if you're just going through the motions, which... I think this is what this one's kind of getting at, the harvest, just going through the motions. Yeah. You know, kind of going back to the Lord's Prayer, we're talking about sins and trespasses. How many times has most Christians said that in their lifetime? Mm -hmm. Countless. Yeah. But are you just going through the motions when you're saying it in a church service or whenever you say it because it's like, oh, you should say the Lord's Prayer, but you're not thinking really what those seven petitions really mean and what they mean for your life. Right. And I remember kind of going back to messing up and slipping up a little bit in leading worship or weddings or whatever. I mean, one of my uh, vicarage uh, supervisors, he goes, "Yeah, I even on the Lord's Prayer, I, I I have my script in front of me or or the hymnal, and I'm reading it so that number one, it helps me from messing up, but it keeps me focused on the words." And he goes, "Even when I was not leading liturgy that day, but maybe I was the the preacher." I'd still open up the hymnal and look at the words, so it forced me to uh, not just fall into a rote thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this is getting at, because, like, you know, like people joke, like, you know, what is part of a routine is being in a rut. Yeah. And that's not what we want in our devotional life, of being in a rut where it's just going through the motions, checking off the list. Yep, I'm wearing God's approval. I read my Bible today. Can't tell you what I read in there, Yeah. but I read it. Yeah, or like you read it, and then your actions go like completely different directions. And uh, I like the last sentence of this article in point number two. It says, it all comes down to your motivations. Jesus desires heartfelt devotion, not religious duty. And there's a lot to be said for that, you know? Right, which leads us into the third one, since mm-hmm. you read the last sentence of number two. So no other point to go, but just point three. Yeah, point three is you read a translation you don't comprehend. So we're not supposed to just read the King James? Isn't that the only translation, Pastor? Uh, uh, thy? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is a beautiful translation uh, for all you King James lovers. We don't want to be bashed by that. Um, there is a lot of beauty. I think there's great beauty in the King James version of the Luke 2 text right. of Jesus' birth. Right, because I know in my first congregation in Salem... We'd always read the King James Luke 2 for Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. And the, and so, yeah, it is a beautiful... And even, like, I don't know about you, but sometimes I find myself slipping into that with Psalm 23. Mm, yeah. 
Because right. you just hear it sometimes that way. And so, like, right. I can slip into that as I'm saying it, even though I'm looking at, it like, an ESV or whatever translation. Yeah. So, you know, I think people uh, nowadays have their favorite versions, whether it's NIV, ESV. And, uh, New Revised Standard. Or, yeah. Uh, or NLT or K- KGV, King New, James Version. New King James New Version. King James. There's so many versions out there, and... I mean, as pastors, I guess, you know, we gravitate in our Lutheran church toward the English Standard Version, which is a very close um, translation to the original um, Hebrew and Greek, right? Right. And, um, but, um, so, yeah, uh, here they say, reading the Bible in a translation you don't understand is like reading an Ikea instruction manual in another language. It just doesn't make sense to you, so... Um, they do kind of uh, bear out the these and the thous of the King James Version, right? Right, which can, you know, when we're not used to that, mm-hmm. confuse you. And the Bible's not simple to begin with. Right. So then you're adding a language barrier on top of that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about you, but if I'm not understanding what I'm reading, not understanding the language, why am I going to keep reading? Right. I'm yeah. just going to say, forget it. I'm done. Whatever. And and it doesn't matter what uh, version you're reading or translation, I guess. Um, there's parts of the Bible that are just flat out confusing. Yeah, you know, just like, like I, mean, I don't understand. I mean, I don't think I've ever really looked at Revelation in the King James version. Oh, I don't think I have either. I don't know if I really want to. <laughs> I'd be confused. I think. Yeah, but here in this case, this is a good idea. You know, what whatever you know ver- translation you're reading and you don't comprehend it, the best thing to do is to do what the Ethiopian... Well, what what God told Philip to do with the Ethiopian eunuch who was reading Isaiah 53, and he had no idea who who it was being talked about. So Philip went and shared who it was about. So we need someone who can... that we can go to to say, hey, can you help me just understand, you know, whether it's a pastor or Bible study leader or a friend or, or whatever commentaries like those mm-hmm. are some great tools for us as anybody whether a pastor or a lay person is a commentary can be an excellent resource to help you understand what's going better understand what's going on there there are some that are more academic there's some more geared towards not as academic mm-hmm. or even like the lutheran study bible is another great resource where yeah. you have those textual notes or any of those books that have bibles that have book like of concord book of concord <laughs> But or like I was thinking too, like you know, I've I have like an archaeological Bible, yes, that gives you like the archaeological notes mm-hmm. pertaining to what you're reading to kind of say, hey, here's where we, this we found this, or here's something that helps support this in archaeology. Mm-hmm. So all these things that help us to understand, and even I don't think there's you know sometimes it's not bad to even look at something like the message, which is a paraphrase of the Bible, right? Not that I'm saying that's my go-to source of a Bible because I know it's a paraphrase. But sometimes it words something in a way that's like, okay, that makes sense, or that puts it in a mm-hmm. easier to remember way, and it's a good way to think about things. And you know, when I do reference, especially like the message in like a sermon or something or in worship, I will say like, hey, you know, this comes from the message. It's a paraphrase of the Bible, mm-hmm. which I so I know it's not the literal translation of right. the Greek or Hebrew, mm-hmm. but it's still a good way to put it. There's nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. And. uh you know, because it's a good check back. It's like, okay, I'm going to check this other source, everything that you just listed off. 
so that I can gain a greater understanding. I mean, you and I had a conversation about that this morning, about one single passage, and it had the word you in it, Y-O-U. And, you know, in our English language, it's hard to delineate whether it's a singular version of you or a plural ver- use of and, the unless word Unless you're in you. the South and you get y'all. Y'all, yeah. <laughs> yeah, is there is there a Texas version of the Bible? You know, y'all. Y'all. Y'all need Jesus. Yes, yeah. sir. Maybe that's something we can ask good old Sarah down in Texas, yes. in Austin, Texas, down. Yeah. That they have y'all translation down right, there. right. I wanted to say her last name, but I didn't. Yeah, I just prefer. <laughs> yeah, I know, because it's part of a fun right. joke. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, um, so we we got to keep digging. And, uh, you know, don't give up if you're struggling to comprehend. There's, as PD, as you said, there's so many resources that can help us understand. So, And even like. You know, pastor, my door is always open if you have a question. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there might be a time you stump us where we're not entirely sure, mm-hmm. but we'll dig into the resources we have and try to get an answer for you. Yeah, no doubt. And All right. The next one kind of goes to something we kind of hit upon a little bit earlier. Yeah. And that's you only read the read to argue with other Christians. Yeah, about hot yeah. hot topics of the culture. And how you know God's word measures up against those cultural hot topics, and to prove a point, you know, maybe one sin to prove that your view of a sin is greater than another view of a sin, or something. Um, yeah. And yeah, like, what's the point of doing that? Just so you can prove that you're better than somebody, or that you know more? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where, and that's why we do have because people like you know I've had kids ask. Why do we have so many different denominations? Yeah. Because we all interpret Scripture differently. And to me, a lot of it goes back to like communion and baptism. Those are two of the bigger, mm-hmm. where there's the dis- differing of understandings of those. But, you know, obviously I'm going to teach, and I believe in infant baptism, but I don't think, you know, Paul's or Peter's going to be up there when we get to the pearly gates being like, were you baptized as an infant? Mm. Were you baptized as an adult? And if you don't give the right answer, he's not going to be like, well, mm. you're... You're you're wrong. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah, I mean, there's there's enough controversy out there that you know I don't know that we as Christians should be you know arguing to to, to read to read scripture only to uh, make ourselves look correct. Um, you know, we're to uh, speak the truth in love, right? And there's nothing wrong with you know, correcting an errant thought, uh, but to do it in a loving way rather than, like, just argue the point to smash the person and say, you're wrong. Right, I'm better than I'm you. I'm better I, than I you. I know my Bible. Yeah, like, don't tell me I don't know the Bible. I just showed you. And think about how that looks like an outsider to somebody who's not mm-hmm. a Christian. Yeah, what's the witness there? Like, why would I want to be a part of them if they can't even get along with one another and they're yeah. fighting over this? Well, and there is a certain place for, I mean, uh, I think this is a theological word, disputation, right? Like right. to like have a good uh, scriptural, deep discussion, um, talking through views about th- certain matters in Scripture, but not to do it in a way that uh, pushes another one down and, and elevates yourself but really to gain a greater understanding. It's like cordial, congenial, yeah. where it's just mm-hmm. like, hey, let's just talk about this. It's kind of like the tone we're having right now. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, well, this is why I believe this. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, well, this is why I believe this. You might not come to an agreement with that person, but it doesn't mean you have to like sh- be like, well, you're wrong. How dare you? Yeah. You're not a good enough Christian. Right. You know, we all have differencing and like, and the goal is not to argue about things like that, but it's the goal is to make more disciples. Right. Right. And I don't think any Christian would argue with that point. No. And the, on the article, it says as Christians, we'll probably never come to a complete agreement on everything. I mean, that's so true. That if all you get from reading the Bible is ammunition to attack other Christians, uh, you know, you're reading it wrong, it says. So, yeah, I think that's the the emphasis there. Don't use Scripture to attack, to win an argument. Right, you know? and that kind of leads into the fifth point, I feel. Yeah. You cherry-pick Bible verses. Oh, right. Like, I always joke with the kids, like, you know, the Bible says money is the root of all that's evil. No. Well, it says that. Well, Yeah. It says a little bit more. Oh, it says for the love, love of, of money. money. Yeah. So I'm like, how does that change that question? Like that mm-hmm. that quote? Because I'm like, do you need money? And then it'd be funny because some kids are like, no, you don't really need money. I'm like, what well, do you need? A house or home, shelter, mm-hmm. food, clothing? Well, yeah. Well, how do you get those? <laughs> yeah. Money. I'm like, about a car. You or well, you need some sort of transportation, whether it's a car. Or, but either way, I'm like, but then I'm like, but that's where it goes to like the love would be like, okay, I have a car, but do I need a three hundred thousand dollar like Maserati? Mm-hmm. That's where it's like, you probably don't need that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I might raise some eyebrows if I roll up to the manual parking lot <laughs> in a car like. I'd that. be like, hey, can I go for a ride? <laughs> I'd be, I'd be, I'd be stoked. But it'd be one of those like, but that cherry picking like, so that changes it because that almost proves like when you bought. That's uh, I don't want to go that on that road, but like when you buy almost into excessive, where it's like, look at what I have. Mm-hmm. That's that love of money where that's all you're focused on to show, like, look at my possessions. Yeah, but you need some of those things to maintain life. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Well, and the whole cherry picking, even in a good way, you know, I think like it. it it's not really intended as a negative t- proof text thing. But it could be like, you know, you're trying to help someone out by selecting out of context a scripture verse. Right. And, you know, um, I, here, here's one that comes to mind. And, and uh, you know, I love everybody who, you know, I probably use this too. But like, um, you know, Pastor, wherever two or more are gathered, you know, God is in the midst of them. Well, that's true. God is with us, right? But to... Um, if you really look at Matthew 18, it's a whole dialogue about, um, you know, sinning against a brother or sister in Christ and getting into uh, the point of reconciliation in that whole process. Right, so, of the keys. Yeah. So, like, wherever two or more are gathered in his name, uh, he is in the midst to, br- to provide reconciliation and to win the brother or sister back into the faith. And so, but but people will say, like, well, you know, Oh, you know, only three people showed up to my Bible study today. Well, that's okay. Wherever two or more are gathered. Right. Well, that, yeah, that's true, but that's that's not the the context of where you're getting that. So it's we do that very much a lot. I, I can't even speak. We do that a lot, right? Right, and I think I was thinking like, okay, like when I ask the kids like, what does cherry pick mean? I usually relate it back to basketball. Mm. I'm like, nobody likes a cherry picker in basketball. Yeah. So why is anybody going to like that with the Bible? And I almost, I don't know if this is on the same kind of, 
idea, but it's in my mind it kind of connects, is like those common things that people believe in Scripture that aren't in Scripture, like cleanliness is next to godliness. Yeah. Like you almost, people cherry pick those. It's like, that's not actually in Scripture. I mean, I'll admit it. Uh, long ago, in my when I was younger, I remember saying to my dad, he was struggling through something. I said, "Well, you know, Dad, God helps those who help themselves." You know, and and I didn't have a good understanding of Scripture, but I I was using that as that's what Scripture says. Well, there is no verse that says that, and there's some that are kind of close. Um, there's one that says in the day, in the day or moment of temptation, God will provide an escape, right? So I think a lot of people will use that verse as God helps those who help themselves. Well, what about those who can't help themselves? Are they not going to be helped? (laughs) You know, so. Right. Like, and I'm just looking here, like 15 phrases and sayings not found in the Bible. mm. The three wise men. We don't really know how many. Moderation in all things, that's not in Scripture. Right. The Lord our God works in mysterious ways. That's uh, quoted to William Cowper, who lived in the 18th century. Mm-hmm. The eye is a window to the soul. The apple in the Garden of Eden, we really don't know what it is. Yeah. The lion will lay down with the lamb. A fool and his money are soon parted. This too shall pass, the seven deadly sins. We already talked about money is the root of all evil. Pride comes before the, before the fall. fall. Charity begins at home. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard people say that. To thine own self be true. There's Which, just one other thing you ought to do. That was on Gilligan's Island. Is it? Yeah, they, they did a play. And uh, to thine own self be true. All right, Gilligan Island fans. But actually, do you know where it originally comes from? To thine own self be true? Yeah. Shakespeare. Yes. Is that because of Gwen you know that? No, it was a good guess. Okay. Do you know what play? Uh, Othello. No. That's uh, probably the play they did on Gilligan's Island, honestly. Probably. <laughs> um, but I don't know what one they did on Gilligan's Island. Oh, what was it? Uh, not not Othello. Uh, if I remember correctly, this play's about like... Uh, a person who goes crazy with the death of like family members. I don't know. You gotta. You is gotta. Hamlet. Oh, oh, there you go. Isn't that what Hamlet? Isn't there? Of a course, love? yeah. But yeah, I guess it's. Uh, it says this above all: to thine own be self be true, and must and must follow as the night the day. Thou canst not then be false to any man. Not bad advice, but not from the Bible. I'm not a big Shakespeare Shakespeare person. Yeah, it looks like you were going back to point number three, a translation you don't comprehend. I didn't really comprehend much of what you just said in the Shakespearean oh. language. Well, I'm just reading what the great William Bill Shakespeare wrote. William Shakespeare. Bill Shakespeare, thank you very much. We talked to the cl- about the cleanliness next to godliness, and then God helps those who help themselves. There you go. There you go. And we're sorry for those who are are shocked by that, but you know, it's cherry picking Bible verses or making up Bible verses. And uh, it happens a lot. But they sound great. They sure do. And cherry picking the Bible verses sound great. Yeah. But the context is important. Yeah. And it really is. I mean, another one, 
Uh, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have to you, plans to prosper you, plans to harm, not to harm you, give you hope in the future. That's pulled out a lot, you know, and and it's meant with well intended heart, you know, when people say that, right? Or you know, like and I can't remember exactly, you know, ask of God and God will give you what you want, like. Mm-hmm. But it's like according to His will. His will, yeah, right. I know. And uh, so that's where context, context, context. Keep peeling the onion back. You know, just keep pulling the layers out, and then you can kind of see. Um, it's, it's important, you know. And um, here's, here's kind of a funny way to think about it. They equate it to ordering a medium-rare steak. He says, uh, uh, you know, these kinds of verses uh, that potentially could mean reading certain verses and deciding you should never eat a medium-rare steak again and refusing to cut the sides of your hair. Yikes. Um, so I think they're referring to Leviticus 19.27 about the cutting of the sides of your hair. It says, you shall not round off the hair on your temples or mar the edges of your beard. Well, that's a daily occurrence uh, for me with marring the edges of my beard. <laughs> Just because I'm not a very good sh- good shaver. And then Genesis 9.4, but you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. So, you know, that's the whole point. Don't eat medium rare because... Phew, I hate medium. You hate medium. No, I go medium. That's what I go medium? I go medium. Good. So I'm not medium rare, you know. There's Uh just a little bit of pink still in the medium. Uh Uh-huh. But yeah, so these are just the five things that they listed in this article. And just thought it was kind of an interesting read. Yeah. Good kind of thing to talk through here with my partner in crime here, P-Dobbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good find, and... We hope that, uh, you know, it was helpful for you and good reminders. And uh, we just pray every blessing upon your journey and through God's Word that you can be uh, fulfilled, strengthened, and uplifted. <laughs>